What's up, everybody? We are here for another super cool week of Nitty's Knocker. We have so much cool stuff happening in the city. Some cool stuff happening with Drake. Some cool stuff happening uh, with Serena Williams. I know it's really weird to talk about them in the same day, but we're going to do it anyway. And we have Jasmine of Be Beautiful who will be joining us today on Nitty's Knocker. She'll be here at about 7 p.m. But until then, we're going to vibe out to some music right here on Nitty's Knocker. It's your girl, Nitty. We got Keith hanging out on the air today, and Brandon will be here shortly. But until then, enjoy the vibes, enjoy the music. We are back. We are here. It is... What's the temperature? Let me do one of those temperature update things. You know when they say, there's your weather update. 85. Oh, 78. The high was 85. 67 is the low. Partly cloudy. 0% chance of rain. 100% chance of unicorns. Ah! Yeah, I'm excited, y'all. I don't know why. It's just been uh, a really amazing week. A lot of really cool things are starting to go down for the Nitty's Knocker crew and everything that we got going. We have interns in place and they're like super happy, super super excited to start. Are they really good at making me believe it? (laughs) But overall, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, But let's start with um, our fave, Drake. (laughs) Drake is the fave. Drake is definitely the fave. Even though he made an album that all the tracks were not supreme, he's still Drake. And Drake does amazing things. Even though he's always sad about some girl, he makes great music about it. Mm-hmm. And he has beat the, uh, the beat the Beatles. He beat the Beatles by having seven songs simultaneously landing in the top ten of the billboard 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 like white people <laughs> I, that's where i go to get all my good music i because i like i like white people music a lot and that's where i go to get my top 10s top 20s but drake has done it seven times simultaneously which means that chart after chart he has really done his thing so i think that's like really Really dope because I only know one Beatles song. I think is "Walk This Way." Nope, that's not nah. even them. That's Aerosmith. See, nah, yeah. what's a Beatles song? Um, man, <laughs> one of them. Man, I used to, I used to have <laughs> Beatles in like when I had uh, when I had title. I used to have the Beatles in my like my little save library. I don't know. Well, then that's, I mean, the good thing about it is that Drake has, we know all of the songs. So it's not like a Beatles situation. Well, I mean, I don't think all black people know Beatles songs, you know, but I feel like all black people and all white people know Drake songs. And seven times after Scorpion dropped, he literally like broke a record. So kudos to Drake for being a trailblazer. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I just looked at Keith's face and he was just like, is this really a kudos moment right now? <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I think Drake dope. Uh, I, 
Scorpion, I wasn't the highest on, but for him to have seven songs off that album to be in the top ten, that's that's insane. And to, to think that you beat out the Beatles, who we all said we don't really know any of their songs, but we know the impact that the Beatles had. Right, you know, I saw a music. movie, yeah. I think. <laughs> no, the Beatles is dope. I, if, I don't know the Beatles music uh, per se, but I know I definitely know some John Lennon and some Paul McCartney uh, work. Like I think we both know them. Yeah, yeah. The two uh, most prominent members of the Be- Beatles. Oh, so, that's they were part of the Beatles. Yeah, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. <laughs> so um, as you can see, I I saw a movie with them walking across the street in that line. which is also a famous picture now. So that's an album cover of this. I forget what the name of that album is. Yeah. Oh. A cool one, a cool one. Um, so, who do you think is uh, just as capable? I'm honestly surprised that Rihanna hasn't been on the billboards, but she also stopped making music recently. Well, she's kind of like here and there with her music. So, I'm I was kind of shocked to not see her or Beyonce with that specific record. What do you mean? That well, I mean they they've all been on the billboard, but that's that record is them is Drake having. Like you know, it's it's a hundred back slots. to back, yeah. It's it's just the slots. Like so, right now it's seven of his songs on from Scorpion that are in the top ten of like the the songs that are being played in the country. Wait, seven at one time? Like like yeah. this wasn't back like week after week. This is no, just this the- is like right now simultaneously he's ha- he has seven songs in the top ten. Oh snap! Yeah, I know the Kiki songs in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know that's that. Kiki, are you with me? And whatever he said, I want to do the challenge, the Jiggy or Shiggy challenge. Yeah, I. I think it's cool. He's a funny guy on the internet, and then he goes and does this whole challenge. This one girl I saw on Instagram, she did it while ghost riding her car. Like, she was outside of the car dancing and running with the car. I was like, you got to have really strong legs to do something like that. <laughs> like you it looked hurt. really cool though She was not close to the car I guess whoever was recording the video Had their f- hand or foot on the gas uh-huh. But she was like getting it Her hair was bouncing in the wind <laughs> The melanin was popping I was like yes I gotta do the Kiki challenge Or Shiggy challenge And be the next best thing to To join the airwave on that But Who else do you think could be, who do you think deserves seven songs on the Billboard charts, whether it's now or before? Uh, it's hard to think that Thriller didn't do that, but Thriller was a, a slow burner from what I heard. Like, it wasn't, like, received in the, the huge impact that it has, like, long term. Right. It wasn't like that immediately. So um, it's hard to think in the streaming age that or that's that's something that's more likely. Like, mm-hmm. back then when the streaming didn't exist, and like you had to go buy an album or like tune into the radio and request songs, like and request singles. That wouldn't happen. But right, Drake right. being a, you know a artist of his magnitude in the streaming era, that's like that's huge. Um, people who I feel like could do it right now, um, um, I would say. I would like to say Kendrick, but I don't necessarily know if that's realistic. I don't know if Kendrick can have seven. Actually, well, the thing is, all of this stuff with Drake is literally off of one album. Yeah. But low-key, you know what? I think if I heard all of Good Kid, Mad City, like, I really, really love every single song on there. I feel like if streaming was as 
potent as it is now because yeah. that was still at a time where streaming was just starting it to really just get started it to break into the into and he lives. was he was doing big numbers with those i think right. that now if kendrick drops something that's fire as good yeah. kid mad city was because like i like his other albums but good kid mad city was a true encompassment of kendrick yeah. you know so i think he could probably do it now beyonce and rihanna both um definitely could do it the only thing with them is they both released like at least like the first week specifically through title mm-hmm. and title with withholds all of their numbers like, that is very true yeah so like we would never know what exactly they do like the the numbers in which they uh you know uh, people stream their music in that first week um i don't know i don't think beyonce could do seven songs from one album you don't think so? i mean like lemonade i well, I still haven't listened to all of Lemonade, and yeah, Beyonce's my mom. Yeah. So, I you know, I I haven't listened to it because it's on Tidal. Yeah. And I don't have Tidal, and I don't <clears throat> want Tidal. Pac-Man comes in the house dropping things. Welcome, Sleazy. Sleazy Pac. <laughs> but um, I don't think that Beyonce could do seven songs on one track i do believe that rihanna could do it which is still another thing that's troubling to me that she still has not received her recognition for the anti album yeah anti was like one of the best that was legit the, the best album that i've heard in a very very long time by any female artist until yeah. SZA came and did low-key SZA could do it yeah i think SZA is able to be a part of the stream Brandon has arrived, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm here, finally. <laughs> and we're talking about Drake be- beating the uh, Beatles out with seven songs from Scorpion being on the top ten Billboard simultaneously. Like, at the same time, they're all on the Billboard, and the Beatles are the only people who've ever done that. Well, since this is about Drake, let me say this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's excited. <laughs> Goof. Goof. But, <laughs> 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 no, um... No, I honestly feel like Drake is going to be, like, the next Michael Jackson. Like, on some, like, him selling out, yeah, like... generational Now, artists. I feel like Beyonce is the woman version of that, but I feel like Drake definitely going to be, like, that dude where people, like, scream when he's selling out, like, whole countries and stuff. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. he definitely got the star power to do it. I wanted to ask you, because you said you feel like Beyonce couldn't do that, but you think Rihanna could. What's the difference between now? Um, Rihanna opinion? makes hits. All the time. Beyonce makes uh, great music for certain moods. I haven't heard that take on Beyonce. Oh, no, I got to disagree with no, you No, I think <laughs> Rihanna, every song Rihanna makes literally hits a chart. Every single song. Beyonce's don't always do that. Beyonce will hit a, a, a surprise thing like, oh, wow, Beyonce did this surprisingly and then get all of these numbers. But as far as like track after track after track, Beyonce, they're all good songs, but they're so different and like, the just the definition of her music is just like all over the place in the the realm of R and B. So you write you write to a certain extent about um, Beyonce. Beyonce don't have like number ones. Like Rihanna, she have number ones, but yeah, like yeah. it's pop and people everybody like enjoying that song. But the difference between Beyonce and Rihanna is Beyonce reaches a demographic that Rihanna will never reach. You yeah. lying? No, I'm I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't believe that like, because uh, Rihanna yeah. has more markets than than Beyonce has. First it, of it's all. different markets, but at the same time, Rihanna not selling out what Beyonce gonna sell, and that's just an example of what I'm talking about. 
women on our 50 and down love Beyonce. Women that's in their fifties don't really necessarily like Rihanna because she's too raunchy or she's too right. Explicit. But we're not just talking about it in that aspect. It's just about like okay, so Beyonce is she could sell out an arena, right? Mm-hmm. That's about it. Her music doesn't. I mean, her uh, perfumes don't sell well. Her clothes didn't sell well. Nothing else that she did outside of music worked for her. Rihanna is more creative, right? So because Rihanna is more creative, even if Rihanna's fans don't necessarily or people don't necessarily like the music. They like her lingerie or they like her perfume. So if she drops a new project, they're going to be like, oh, let me go just check it out real quick because it's Rihanna. You know, so I think that, yes, Beyonce does have a very powerful position in music to sell out crowds because they just love Beyonce. But I don't think she could do seven songs on the top ten at once. Right, and we're talking about Rihanna or Beyonce doing seven songs. And I think Rihanna Rihanna would take the cake. Yeah, you were right. No argument there. And, um... Serena Williams has done some cool, even though we talk about Drake. <laughs> no, they don't go I mean, together they date, anymore. I mean, it's a connection somewhere. Yeah. Maybe that's Kiki. In the little gif on the, the blog post that I wrote for the show, uh, I put a gif of Drake playing tennis in a music video, kind of, <laughs> and then put Serena's comments. I was like, ha, 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 that kind of works out. But she just beat out Wimbledon, and she continues her reign as the greatest tennis player ever so we got two greats you know didn't work out in a relationship but they doing their thing yeah i don't really know much about tennis other than i tried to play it and so wasn't good dog. at it that's what it is about tennis yeah <laughs> she a dog like she in her women class she destroying them like like destroying them and she just came off of a and pregnancy she, pregnant. she like, just came off that and she going nuts i don't, think I don't even like doing yet. nothing off a hangover, you feel me? I get yeah. hungover, and I don't even want to do. I don't want to do nothing when I got a hangover. But like, to carry a child and, and have a baby and still play at the top of your game, yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know her age, but I know she in her like mid thirties, probably. Yeah, she's probably yeah, probably in her thirties. But I don't know what will happen after she's gone, though, because as far as tennis goes, it's Serena as far as black tennis. <laughs> Like, people, yeah. unless there are others, don't get me wrong, there might be people that I don't know about, but they obviously aren't making enough noise yeah. to be even close to Serena and what she's done. So, it's like, we need Serena to just play until she dies, you know, and continue to win until she's, like, 95 years old. I, I think that's... She got the LeBron, she got the LeBron factor thing. Like, LeBron gonna be playing basketball till he's, like, 40, merch. <laughs> Serena can still she's still gonna be giving people some go. Now there's some young bloods out there that's on her heels, like um they haven't quite they're they are at where Serena was when she was young. You yeah. feel me? So like of course experience beats new you yeah. a newbie, you a rookie, but her experience is gonna beat you. But there's some young kids out there that's gunning for her, you know, and they probably won't get the player when they get her level. But yeah, I feel like tennis is definitely going like Evolve into something bigger because Serena's just set the bar so high for people. Like, yeah. do you think I'm too old to play tennis? No, right? Yeah. To no, you are, to play like I recreationally. Think, no, like you think I could get just so good and just <laughs> end up in the whatever they're called. I had a dream I was like <laughs> six five, and that's, that kind of sounds like that. Why is that? This is tennis. First of all, you don't know. That's very pessimistic. It's not like. Do you understand the? The time and like the effort that these athletes put into like, like 
Serena's dad was like the Joe Jackson of tennis. Like, yes, he was. I like, was having a conversation with somebody about that today because nobody cared about Joe Jackson's dying. Nobody talked about it. But it wouldn't be no Mike if it wasn't for Joe. It wouldn't be no Serena if it wasn't for whoever her daddy was making them play tennis when they was yeah. 12 and younger than that, you know? Yeah. So, like, you finna just spend two years, maybe three. I don't even think that's enough time. Like, you would have to work out three times a day, every day. That's what I'm saying. What if I decided to do that? <laughs> She but was, it's all good. We gonna let great. Serena. We gonna let Serena be, be great because she's an amazing woman. But for now, we're gonna go into some more music. I'm y'all DJ today, so you know. I hope y'all are down for what I'm playing, and because we're saying that we're down for things, we're gonna play "Down for Whatever" by Emily Blue, and Yoli right here on Nitty Snucker. We are back. That last song was called Dreams by Solo Dweeb. Right before that, we played Earth Girl by Brittany Nicole. And Down For Whatever by Emily Blue and Yomi. It was a really cool little summer song. Sit on the beach and eat cold cuts and drink beers. Oh, cold cuts. How old are you? You got to drink the lime beers. You know, it's a very light song, so you do light things. Cold cuts sound like some penitentiary food. I don't know. Oh, you're a... Don't ever... Because cold cuts are fire. You That's get a, the right type of sandwich. meat, the right type of cheese, <laughs> the right Miracle Whip. I like mayo, but, you know, y'all like Miracle Whip. That just whip. sound like some... I right, man. I give you three honey buns, two cold cuts. <laughs> 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 well, I mean... At least they exchange in cold cuts because they actually are good. I don't know what type of meat they have in jail, but the meat that I get from Jewel or Whole Foods or Mariano's is actually really, really good. Yeah, so I don't think they eat Mariano gray meat in that. In that in my that cold cuts. What should I call them then? They can't be called cold cuts. How about a sandwich? You feel me? A cold sandwich. A cold sandwich. How you can eat it cold? <laughs> <laughs> but it's time to talk about our favorite person ever. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, Donald Trump President Trump Is the formal way of announcing him And First Lady Melania Have uh, Donald Trump has nominated um, Brett Kavanaugh To be the Supreme Court Seat after Anthony Kennedy Has left um, He is someone who I believe Is a little too similar to Donald Trump Mentally, and as far as his views, um, and I don't think that it's a very good idea with the way things have been going down on the news and from on the CNN blogs and everything like that. Um, Donald Trump is making a lot of really crazy mistakes. Like we have a tariff war with China, and I don't like that because that's where my weave comes from. So I need it to stay coming from there and not taxing me on it. All of our clothes, even some of your favorite celebrity items come from China. Things are made in China. So once those taxes go up. Right. No more Yeezys. No Yeezys. No Jordans. You know, you kind of just going to be wearing cardboard flip flops around or the dollar store shoes because actually not even there because they make the dollar store sandals in China as well. So, with all these crazy things going on, it's really sad to have someone who thinks just like Donald Trump in the position of power, such as the Supreme Court seat. Those are really, really, really big decisions that are made on federal levels, and I just don't think 
I'm sad. I'm very sad about that. Now I'm starting to feel affected by Donald Trump's decisions. How does it make you guys? I mean, do you guys know anything about what's going on with the the seat? Um, <clears throat> most that I know is that um, the the former uh, justice who who occupied that seat was Anthony Kennedy, and he retired while Obama was still in office. Obama, by some, were pressured to fill that void, to, you know, to nominate somebody before he left. But I, some in some way, it's like not acceptable for somebody on the way out, like to throw their nomination in the seat because that person isn't going to be, you know, in in that seat under your under your administration. So right. he refused to do that in a sense. Like he literally could have done that. Like it would have he, you know, it would have been looked down upon, but he could have done that. And so with Trump becoming a president, now he was able to do it and we know how Trump is and what you just said about the tariff tax that China got for like 200 billion dollars mm-hmm. or to be worth 200 billion dollars. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, that might go along with his plan to bring jobs, like factory jobs and, and all of that, back to the U.S. Because... I mean, that would be somewhat of a benefit, which will also make sense with him getting rid of the um, welfare and things like that. Man. Because if you're actually getting rid of welfare to supply jobs where people can make actual decent wages to live off of, then it will all add together and make sense. I'm going to say this. Y'all might not be on board with this, but I feel like y'all should just let Trump cook. And <laughs> <laughs> see how like, it turn out. You see, see how it, it turn out because, like, I feel like right now I've been, like, doing a little, like, reading or whatnot. Like, unemployment is down. Um, our taxes have went down. Uh, you won't see it now, but you'll see it on your tax returns. I saw a little bit on my tax returns. Um, but I feel like with this... This beef he got with China is is I feel like he's trying to make America less dependent on, on their China. resources. Yeah. You know what I'm saying on their cheap labor. So like, if he if everything goes as planned, if he really is bringing jobs over here, and he, if he's cutting welfare to bring jobs, like I don't see nothing wrong with that. Right. That's I mean I think we're all saying the same thing. Like if that is what happens, then that's a very good thing. But knowing what he's doing on the opposite end to all of these Hispanic families makes me think otherwise. Because you're literally, like I was saying off air, a, a one-year-old child was returned to his mother with lice in his head. He was terrified. He was beat. He was starved at one. And then he goes in front of a judge, and the judge says he's embarrassed to ask him if he knows his rights. <laughs> uh, do you think he even understands half of the language you're speaking other than hello and goodbye or hola? And adios, you know, like yeah. you are putting these babies in very tough. And then Melania wants to ask the kids if they're making any friends. Well, this is not <laughs> this what? is not preschool. <laughs> While wearing a jacket that says "I really don't care." Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Like this is it's like it's of course when you see like kids in cages, it's upsetting. But it's it's is, not is just har- upsetting. Is it's, this it's not it's, humane. It's, maybe, okay, I'm not using the right attitude. Yeah, you didn't. Right. You didn't. Um, I'll use stronger ones next time. <laughs> um, but no, like it's it's very it's heinous almost to see these kids in these cages. You very know? much so. But do we really care? Bye, Melania. No, 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 no. I'm listening. I'm asking you. Like you got to no, go. But listen, 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 listen. Are you going to give up your American rights 
the littles that we like. I mean, black, black people complain about a lot of stuff that goes on in this country, but like we don't have it as bad as what's going on on the border. You get what I'm saying? So like nobody ever said that though. What we're saying is, but what you're doing we, to the Hispanic do, community the same thing you did to the Jews, the same thing you did to African Americans, displacing people and making them like be a part of whatever you want them to be a part of. <sighs> That is not okay. We can do something. You, the thing okay, is, Americans are terrified to stand up for their rights because of the fact that it's a scary place. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose my little bit of money that I got. I'm going to lose this. No. You can really make changes if you're literally about overthrowing governments and actually making a stand and a statement for things. People only well, want to overthrow the government on Twitter and on Facebook statuses. No one yes. really wants to overthrow the government. Like... That's that's the that's, whole cap. Yeah, like that's we, the problem. We retweet and we share all this. Oh my god, like this is so sad. But no one, you got some people that's out there really doing it, doing what it takes. But marching and protest is not gonna change these people. That you gotta throw Molotov at the Capitol building. Or you know, if people really, if people <laughs> want it, really want it. What do? You, why do you think in the Constitution they gave us the option to the rights to bear arms in case your government was doing stuff yeah. that brought danger or whatever to the society of people? You, the people will raise up arms and bear arms against the government. Yeah. But no one really wants to do that because it's sweet. Like, yeah. we care, but we care from the, 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 our phones and, and the, the couch at the crib. Like, and black people have been, I feel like each president has, like, that punching bag, that, like, that group of people that they beat up on. And it, that's to, like, feed their, their, like, voter base. So, like, Trump got these, like, rural middle class really a lot of white people i'm not going to even classify it as like south of the world but he got white white people and he using immigrants as like his punching bag mm-hmm. to like feed this like narrative to almost please his his voting base like the right. people who put exactly him in even when so, he did the he did something like maybe a few months after he was in office uh, for cinco de mayo when he put a picture of him eating a burrito or something yeah at his desk with a fork. Yeah, because they work in his building. So, like, he's literally saying, being a troll and saying, oh, yeah, I, su- I support uh, Spanish people or whatever, but I also am going to troll them and eat their their foods with the fork because I think that they're, they're monsters or I think that they're uh, animals. Man. He thinks that. That's, like, these are our true thoughts of this man. Like, he, if it's... Honestly, I feel, like, I feel like if Mexicans or Hispanics were taking all the jobs which they people claim they are. It's not true. It's not true. Like, I was reading about something in California where like a lot of the crops have went bad because there there's no one to pick the crops. In America we 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 live in this capitalistic entitled place where we feel like, oh, that job is beneath me beneath me. Yeah. And like I don't blame people for feeling like that because you you'll go out and say and say for instance if you did hypothetically speaking, you were a crop a sharecropper or whatever, you uh-huh. pick fruit and stuff like that. And you was making some decent money. You know what I'm saying? You bring it home and be a good 2000 a month. You know what I'm saying? You making about 50000 a year. Yeah. Picking crops. You go out and you go around other people and they're like, what do you do? Oh, I, I'm a sharecropper. They look at me crazy. But they're like, but you making the same amount of money they're making, but you have a job that's manual labor. You know, so it's like, oh, well, you're beneath me. You know? Yeah. And I feel like as Americans, that's. We making our own bed hard, you know what I'm saying? Because we we got this this level of elitism, you know. Yeah. And the Mexicans really are taking the job. They're taking the jobs that we don't want. Yeah, because I'm not trying to be out in the sun all day. 
Doing that. I mean, if they was For paying the bag, I would. If they was paying twenty dollars an hour to go pick some grapes and some fruit, I, what? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be out I there would. in a hoodie with with a, with a net on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> trying to get too black. You know, but I'll be out there. Yeah. You know, that is a part of American consumerism. It's just like not really understanding the value of hard work. And one thing, I mean, it, everybody knows that Donald Trump is a businessman. Great, that's amazing. But it does not take away from the fact that some of these things he's doing, he's literally only thinking about the business of it and not about the human part of it where people's lives are at stake and where things can happen and really mess some situations up. But we're going to go ahead and go into some music for about, mm, let's say, about 10 minutes or so. And then when we get back, Jasmine of Be Beautiful will be on the airwaves with us hanging out and we're going to be having a really good time. So right now, I'm going to play Control Me by Special Ed right here on Nitty Snocker. Okay, Lajay, for the for the runs. That last song was Crazy by Lajay. She is an artist out of Chicago as well. Most of these artists are from the Chicago area or Chi-town? Wisconsin, places like that. Um, I haven't played anything from the South. I did play something from the Caribbean a few weeks ago. I have a lot of music that was sent to me from some artists from Africa. So uh, maybe next week I'll just, if it's warm enough outside and I'm feeling good, I'll play it in the studio. But our guest of the hour has arrived. Hello, Jasmine. Hi. We are here with Jasmine of Beautiful. Y-O-U-tiful. I think I wrote a pretty cool post about it in the blog. <laughs> I was like, yeah, be beautiful. It's you, you know. <laughs> uh, but go ahead. <laughs> Leave me alone. Guys, let me live. But I would like for you to give us a 60-second rundown of who you are starting now. Um, I'm born on the east side of Chicago. You I sure? am a fourth-grade elementary school teacher at Bradwell School of Excellence. Um, I'm pretty radical in my politics, which I feel like influences my teaching. So I really, like, focus the teaching that I do in black power and black pride because most of my students, if not all of them, are black. Um, I founded my organization about two years ago after working at this little elementary school in Ohio where I went to school, and I met this really dope fourth grader who was convinced that she was never going to go to high school or college. Um, And so that kind of, like, shifted my view of what it meant to be a black girl in the world. And so I founded my organization based off that. What's your favorite book? I'm actually reading this really dope book. It's called Men We Reaped by Jasmine Ward. It's a memoir. It's about, she grew up in this place called Des Lyles, Mississippi. Um, and she's writing like memoirs about all of the black men in her life that she's lost. So it's been like um, just learning about their lives and how it kind of shapes her perception of how like death is not the end. Because she kind of feels like the lessons, um, and because everyone dies so violently, like their ghosts kind of linger in the town mm. um, and in the families. So it's been really dope to read. That sounds pretty dope. What's it's your favorite really, color? Really My favorite color is lime green and orange. Oh, why? I don't know. As a kid, I feel like girls were expected to like pink. Like and me. I was like, uh, <laughs> no. So I started liking green, and then orange just kind of made it way, made its way with that. And my hair is green right now, so. Like a mango. Wait, are mango mangoes are like orange and green, right? Yeah, they start yeah. all green. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you little mango out here. <laughs> and what is one of your favorite quotes by a black woman? Ooh, okay. Yeah, you said you're pretty yeah. radical, so and I'm looking at yeah. your shirt. Yes. Um, I don't know, like off top. 
Or who's someone who is very, let's say, someone who's very influential to you? I really love Ida B. Wells. <laughs> She's dope. I feel like she was very radical for her day and age. And she was very agitational. Like, she was just not about that life. Um, so so I really love Ida B. Wells. She's is that dope. why her name is first on the yes, shirt? Yes, it is. That's my girl. And I teach my girls about her. And they love her. Like, it's like a book in our library about her when she was, like, a little kid. So she's, like, a character, a cartoon character. And they love that book. The book. Um, how do you say radical? Like, how do you define that? I think radical to me is really well. I went to school in this little town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the town? Oberlin, Ohio. You oh, Oberlin. Yes, okay. I did. Um, it was very white, very rural, very racist. Um, and I just I used to study when I first got there. I wanted to be a sociology major. I knew that because I had a sociology and African American studies class in high school. That was just dope. It was taught by the same guy. This like super pro black man named Mr. Barnes. That's that's my man's forever. Um, <laughs> and I was just surrounded by like white kids, and I was not used to that because I'm from the East Side where everybody is black. Like culture is black, food is black. When you go to the lake, everybody's black. So I was in this little bitty town, and we experienced, like, some super racially charged events where we found, like, nooses on our dorms. The KKK, there were KKK members on our campus. Oh, wow. We were being mailed, like, traditional, like, KKK pamphlets. We found, like, bananas on our camp, like, in our dorm, because we lived in the African Heritage House, which is, like, kids from all over the continent and the diaspora. Um, and so I was able to take a class taught by the daughter of a Black Panther, and she was just like, radicalism is just to agitate the system. Okay. So it's like, not to necessarily sit back and, you may not be the person that sit, sits back and makes the plan, but when it's time for the work to get done, you're the one on the front line. Hmm. And I feel like that's me. Whenever it's time to do something, I'm like, I'm already there. So y'all can just meet me here. I've been here for an hour. Like, I used to change my change myself to buildings. I worked in a prison. So I was always wait, the person wait, wait. that was Wait, wait, wait. You like, said change yourself to buildings? Yes. Oh, we you used to like, We one of those people. I mean, I feel like the climate of our campus was very specific. So we couldn't be, like, docile in our politics. Like, right. in order, it was only 212 of us in a campus of 3,000. Oh, wow. So That's crazy. we had to, like. She on her killmonger, for we real. We had to, like, make ourselves <laughs> known. Is this your king? <laughs> we had to like. Is this your campus? We were like, it's two hundred of us. You gonna know all two hundred of like us dude. by face, by name. They tried to kick me out. I was like, oh, I'm on an external scholarship. You tried it, right? But so we really were like always out class. I mean, our, our professors were like, we rather you be a part of the movement than come to class. So we'll get that when we get that. Um, so we got a lot of firsthand experience with that. It was really dope. That is amazing, and yeah. it helps me understand you a little bit little bit more you know i saw a little sunflower when i met you but she's like <laughs> no uh. like i walk myself to the to the wall you know you ever been chained to a building i think so <laughs> so what what was one of the most powerful moments from what you all would do at school uh, i think so when tamir rice was killed i was in ohio um oberlin is about 42 minutes away from cleveland and we were trying to get, like, shuttle buses to go to Cleveland to, to like, protest with his mom, his dad, his family. Um, but a lot of us couldn't get there. So we staged a die-in on campus. Um, and so we all walked out of class. And our campus is pretty huge. Like, we're a private college. Mm-hmm. So we basically own the whole town. 
which is a whole nother like problematic situation. But that's <laughs> you're one of those orbling kids, um, aren't you? <laughs> and so we had like thousands of kids to just literally die in buildings, like lay your body everywhere across campus, like on the lawn, library, dining halls, um, president's office. Of course, I was there in that building specifically. <laughs> um, and so I feel like for them to see all of these like kids from different creeds, colors, religions, back- backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses just laying all across campus like you can you can you're not gonna step on me so you're not gonna get through um that was pretty dope and i feel like that kind of made us feel connected to what was happening in cleveland because cleveland was insane around that time i got a question so uh with that last movement you yeah the die-in yeah what it was called um you guys it was everybody had participated was it just a black body it was organized by the black body, but mm-hmm. I think that we realized, like, just looking at historical political movements that black people have been agitating and, like, protesting for decades. Mm-hmm. But really, the turn of the civil rights movement was when that the black young man and the white young man got kidnapped off that bus mm-hmm. in Birmingham and ended up dead. Mm-hmm. So it's like we had to realize that we want our movements to be black-centered, but they also have to involve everyone else. And I think that the... the I'm politi- glad you said that. I think like, that yeah. the, the, politi- the, the really politically focused white students at Oberlin realized that like they had to put their bodies on the line for us to be able to move forward in the politics that we needed to do. So like literally when we would protest, they would create a barrier around us. Cause I, it's crazy that you say that because I, I, I get into debates with people, like black people with, like all the time mm-hmm. who are radical, but like... They're radical. They're radical, but they only see like black, you know. And it's like you gotta, in order for you to uh, to accomplish peace, you everybody has to be involved. I feel like segregation and exclusion breeds contempt in in each, you know. I was gonna ask you, the majority. I mean, all out of all the races, racism that you experienced, you think that was minority white people down there or majority? Uh, I think that it was. Minority, but a very powerful minority. Of course, always. Like the sons of people who, yeah. like, I, my dad donated $2 million to Oakland. Like, nothing's ever going to happen to you. Of course not. Like, yeah. ever. Um, and so we got to meet a lot of really, really dope white people, but we also learned that, like, blackness influences basically everything. Exactly. And so meeting people from, like, the Philippines, it's like blackness functions the same way in the Philippines as it does in America. If you're a darker-skinned Filipina, you have less rights than a fairer-skinned woman that's from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. In Asia, if you're a more brown-skinned Japanese woman, so it's like blackness functions in the same way, so even though they didn't have the experience of being black in America, they still had the experience of experiencing anti-blackness in other countries. Mm-hmm. And so I think that allowed them to like kind of meet us where we were. And the people in Overland kind of realized like this movement is created by black people, so no, we are not getting on the mic. No, like We're going to carry the water to make sure that they're hydrated. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of tapped into the movement as, like, they understood that they should never be in the forefront. You can be a part of the movement, but if this is a black, if this is a movement centered around black life, black right. people should be the center of that movement. I, yeah. I like that. And I did notice a lot of times here in Chicago when there would be black movements, it would be a lot of white people in the front of yes. the movements. And it kind of is it's kind of a distraction to where it gives um, – the world a chance to say that white people care more about the issues right. than the people actually dealing with the issues. Yeah. So that is very important to realize. And probably if any activists are listening to make sure that, you know, the people who are fighting for those rights are on the front 
yeah mine and then the supporters are you know a second close to yeah. them you know um so as far as be beautiful you said it was a fourth grader who encouraged it why do you think she felt that she wouldn't be anything and so, what made you create your your program after that so like i said oberlin is a very wealthy white it's a pwi private white institution in ohio but the town and the college were created at the same time and the town is literally built on top of the underground railroad so it's like generations and generations of like sharecroppers abolitionists like very strong black families who live in oberlin um and the the college started to spread outward, sort of like the University of Chicago in Washington Park. Mm-hmm. It's like they start with one building, and then you get a library, and then you get mm-hmm. a dorm, and then you get 20 dorms, and mm-hmm. then you get a bus system. And then and I feel like that's kind of what Oberlin was doing. It was kind of breaking off and branching into everything. And the people in the town kind of felt like Oberlin was creating places that they could never go to, which initially was what it was. Oberlin would privatize land. So it's like, this is a private Oberlin Park, even though it's in the smack dab in the middle of the town that you live in and will live in when I graduate and lived in before I got here. You can't come to this park. Hmm. And so, be, I wanted, I mean, I love the campus, but I was just like, I need a little bit of brown. And, like, the people were, like, so radical. They're like, we literally live on top of the Underground Railroad. How much more radical can we be? Right. Really, like, our ancestors were slaves. They stopped in Oberlin because it was, like, a free, a free place. It's literally shackles of slaves and, like, the Oberlin museums and things like that. So they just, I tapped into that because I got to, like, find grandmas who would cook on Sundays and, like, find little kids who oh, would nice. play with at the park. And so I worked at the Oberlin Elementary School, and I met this girl named Kiki. I, when I first Kiki. met her, <laughs> <laughs> when I first met her, she was not about it. She was just like, I don't really care about you being here. Like, tutor mm-hmm. me so I can get what I need. Um, but, like, part of our tutoring program was that we tutored them Monday through Thursday, and we took them to places in the town on Friday. So, like, ice cream, a bowling alley, because Oberlin had everything, movie theater, swimming pool, water park, every single thing you could imagine, our school owned it. Um, and so I would just be having conversations with her, like, how, you know, how, how do you feel about living here? She's like, you know, I love it. My parents were here. My grandparents were here. And I'm like, okay, so what about high school? What about college? And she basically was just like, nobody from Oberlin to town goes to Oberlin to college. In my four years going there, which means like there were multiple classes coming and going, I met one person that lived in Oberlin. He was a white guy. Hmm. Like he was from the town and he went into the college. And the crazy thing is, is that Oberlin has a rule. The college has a rule that if you're born in the town, live in the town, and graduate from the high school with A's and B's, you get to go to Oberlin for free. And what? to go there is two hundred fifty grand for yeah, all four years. Right. Like it's bread. Like you you coming out of your pocket a quarter of a million dollars. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like you could go to one of the top colleges in the country, mm-hmm. if not the world, because everybody from different countries comes to Oberlin. I'm like, I've never heard of this place and I'm from America. <laughs> and you you could go here for free, meaning no debt. Like that, no federal debt. That's and like she was us. just like, I'm not going. That's like us, because when you live in a town, you don't want to live there your whole life, go to high school there. No, that's kind of different, though. If that's my town was, oh no, because you know, even if from we being can go to UFC, but right, I went to, okay, so you can't go to. I mean, they don't have that rule. I went there for two years. I was on a grant, but like a, when you go, like U of I, all these the, the colleges in Illinois, like Illinois State, Illinois, like University of Illinois, like you get a you don't get a discount, but it's cheaper for you to go to a school in state than it is out of state. 
But what do majority of us want to do? Go we want to go well, I out of state. Yeah, I guess know? that's majority. I really didn't care. I just wanted education. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, you, you want to get away from whatever town. Like, you know, if you, you go to school in your town, you, you still got moms, the fam. You want to go live your life. I feel like maybe people's like, I'm in Auburn. But, I mean, for there to be one person that was a white male. Out of that, everybody. Out of everybody she knew. And then you have a kid tell you that nobody goes to that college from the neighborhood. That's problematic. And it's like when you, when just tutoring in that school, I was just like, there. going to Oberlin was insane. Like, as of, I was like, you know, I came from high school. I'm like, I'm top 10. I got a 4.6. Blah, 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 blah. I did all this. I worked hard. I came to Oberlin and kicked my butt. Like, academically, it was just so did rigorous. You go to high school? Brooks. They, what? They had you already? No, I mean, I thought I was ready. I stepped in. I'm like, I'm smart. I know I'm smart. You know, I gotta step. I gotta work on this laziness. But I'm like academically ready. Wiped me out. Like that first year, I came home. I was like, Ma, I'm exhausted. Like I've been here for four months, and all we do is work, work, work. Like work, 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 work. Cause they plan on cranking out like top kids. But when I tutor her in her elementary school, I said, There is positive, absolutely, positively, no way that this is gonna prepare you. For high school. And a high school was like a mess. That's going to prepare you for Oberlin. Like, you're not academically ever going to be ready. Come to find out that one dude, his parents transferred him from another state to Oberlin to go to college. So, he only was there for four years of high school. So, he had a private school education for elementary school. Top private school from somewhere up in upstate New York. He came to Oberlin, went to Oberlin's private high school, not the public high school, and then matriculated into Oberlin for free. Hmm. I wanted to ask you a question as far as um, the the fourth grader that you talked to. Yeah. And she, you know, not really having, like, any thoughts about college or high school. Do you feel like that responsibility lies on, I guess, parents? But do you feel like that's, do you feel like that's something created from the system that, like, you know, uh, racism has, like, put in place or is that something that can be like overthrown from inside of like the household and and uh, uh, I mean okay so back then I was just like you know why why do you feel this way but I really didn't understand I was just like okay there are kids who just you know feel down about themselves so you know I thought it was just like you need self-esteem to be able to push you through school but now that I'm a teacher and I'm like behind the scenes like I have one kid in my class this little boy is a genius Honestly, I've never, I've never taught a kid that was as smart as he is. The little boy could be at Yale. Like his, his, the, the, the standardized test that they take, he's like six grades ahead. So as a fourth grader, he's a genius. And when I met him, he was like, I'm going to Yale. First day of fourth grade. He was like, I'm Mm -hmm. going to Yale. I met his mother. She was like, he's going to Yale. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But teaching in a CPS school is like, with what resources am I preparing mm-hmm. him for Yale? Okay. Like, honestly. Yeah. Exactly. Even though his mother's like, grind, grind, grind. Like, she's from the east side, which is a very limited experience. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest. Growing up on the east side, I never left my neighborhood. I walked up and down the block. I went to the beach. I came back. I went to the store. I came back. I got on the bus, went to school, came back. It was like this very small four-corner radius until my mom and dad were like, we got to get them out this neighborhood. We need to start taking t- them to museums and things like that. Right. So his mom is hustling. But as a teacher, I have such a span of academic levels. It's like, how do I make sure that he doesn't fall behind? And Mm -hmm. I think that systematically that's set in place. I feel like if he was at a different school that had more resources, because we know CPS is just trash. It's it's doing its thing, and I don't know what (laughs) thing it's doing, and I don't know who it's for. But it's like, if 
if he had the resources to really excel, that boy would be out this world. And if he was of a different demographic, he would have skipped four grades by now, been mm-hmm. at a private school, had a scholarship to go to high school, been in somebody's seventh, eighth grade program, and, and it's then even, went to college. Mm-hmm. It's different, too, now, because when I was in elementary school, um, I went to a school on the west side for until fourth grade. Brown, William H. Brown mm-hmm. Elementary. And um, they were letting us skip grades. My mom didn't want me to, but I got a chance to skip two grades, but she kept me in the grade. And I know a girl named Crystal. She actually did skip the two grades, but they were letting us, you know, do it and letting us explore new heights. And if you felt like it was too much, they would let you yeah. stay back the next yeah. year or whatever. But you don't really see that at this point anymore. Kids are, are super intelligent, but, you know. I, I, I want to say, like, I feel like now, like, our kids will be smarter than, because we, we see the plot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time I'm not blaming them for their ignorance, but our parents and how we the environment we were in didn't really make education, like. No, but I think they did. The thing I is. I mean, okay, like, this, this, is not, this is what I mean by, like, the top priority, like, like. When I when I hung around my I grew up I grew up around predominantly white people and mm-hmm. like they was teaching their kids stuff at home that like I didn't have had right. privy to right you know what I'm saying because their parents like knew and like your parents are more like more like middle class people you know so like she her, her experience growing up is a little bit different from you yeah. know I was one of those kids where I grew up around privileged kids I was always on scholarships somewhere you know so I was able to see how these kids was raised and like the difference like when these kids were smart. Their peers elevated them, like you know, like you know this, you know that, and it's competition about who knew the most. I'm going around with my predominantly black friends. It's like you know, why are you using big words or like you trying to talk white and like understanding like now that we understand like intelligence is not doesn't e- equate your skin color. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like our kids gonna like gonna be way better than we were in generations before. I feel like we, that. We that's know. like. Now I'm playing devil's advocate because I see it going a little bit of both ways because now with the Internet, their focus is not on school anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. So I feel like we had more of a focus on school, whether we were good at it or not. We wanted to be at school every day. We wanted perfect attendance, whether it was to be around our friends or to be stylish or to to do good in school. School was definitely a priority regardless of what you were learning there or, you know, um, your parents made sure you went, period. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Go to school. You have to go to school. Nowadays, is oh, if you're not feeling like it because your hair not done, you don't have to go. But school yeah. school isn't... Some of these parents, I'm sorry, some of these parents nowadays is crazy. A lot worse. I don't know oh, yeah, with that, but like... Some- yeah, I think that some of the parents... What I've experienced with my kids is that like, a lot of their parents have trauma. It's like deep-seated trauma. Yeah. And it's like, it's very related to school because when you think about it, you're in school for eight years. If... Then you go to school for four more years. Then you go to school for four more years. So it's like your teachers are the first person you see, the last person you see. Like I literally teach my, taught my kids everything this year. How to say please and thank you. How to turn in work on time that mm-hmm. don't got stains on it, that's not ripped in half. And it's like, yes, that's the yes, that's the job of their parent. But when I met their parent, I'm like, you're literally trying to hold this together. You got like six kids. Mm-hmm. So your, the way you show your kids love is that you bring them to me. Right. That's the best that you can do, and that's all you can do. And that in itself is a lot. Like, because can I ring the bell for that? It's like you My doing bells the best don't you work can. no more. So <laughs> meeting their parents, it's like I need to find you a therapist because you need to be healthy for you and your kids. 
because somebody was supposed to do this for you a long time ago. And I really think, no shade to the teachers, but we really, teachers have dropped the ball. Like, for real, I think we just assume we're going to go in the classroom, we're going to get this curriculum, we're going to teach it to our kids. Honestly, most of my year this year was making stuff up. Mm-hmm. I had to find ways to get my kids to read and write because mm-hmm. they did not want to do it. Like, our curriculum is boring. It's boring to me to teach. I'm teaching fourth graders from the East Side about colonial times. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, really, my kids don't have a concept of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't even understand, like, three months ago mm-hmm. this happened. and this. So how am I going to explain to them that in 1690 people made candles? Right. And what is that? why is that relevant to them? Mm-hmm. They don't, unless I'm teaching them how to make a candle to keep their house lit and warm, it, it's not relevant to them. So I literally had to make games out of everything, make competitions out of everything. But I did my job. Was I exhausted? Right. Yes. And it- and it makes you feel good. It's like a validation thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like, too, it's like not all of us black people are the same. Like we we, we yeah. relate to each other sometimes. Well, let's not just say it in the sense of black no. people. Let's just say it in the sense of minority I'm, no, education. I'm, I'm using black people because this is what I'm talking about. Like, Well, I'm just saying because I don't want it to be centered around. No, it's not being centered. That. But, like, we all have different cultural upbringings. And, yeah. like, what I'm about to say is for our cultural upbringing. It wasn't to knock anybody else as a minority. But what I'm saying is we are all different. You know, like, a, like we all in this, in this radio station, we think the same. We are on the same page about what life is and what life is about and how we want to go forward in life. Yeah. Then you have on a different spectrum people who don't see life how we see it they still they they understand how to make it but still not on how to progress in longevity yeah and i think that's just because like so i have one parent i love her son to death we worked on his anger all year and we finally got him to be able to stand in the corner and count from 10 and but that was work because he tried to turn up on me the first week, and I was like, boop, that's what we're not going to do. <laughs> Try again with another teacher. But when I met his mom, like, she was experiencing a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so her main priority was getting her kids to survive day by day. So I, my parents were able to think beyond and elevate themselves because it was two of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was a hand-to-hand handoff. If daddy's not reading, mommy's reading. Mm-hmm. While mommy's reading, daddy is cooking. While daddy's cooking, mommy is cleaning. It was a handoff. It's just her. Mm-hmm. She got two small children and a newborn kid strapped to her chest, coming, bringing this baby to school every day, on time, clean, ready to learn. She did her job. So for me to ask her to elevate her thinking, to talk about oppression, and she, oh, knows, yeah. what, she knows what oppression is. She yeah. experiences it every day. Yeah. I'm oppressed. You know what I'm saying? Right. I got to wake up in this sub, and live in this subpar home and try to make it home for my kids and try to get them to school. And then I'm experiencing, like, trauma. Like, she lost her partner who was killed by the father of her kids. Hmm. Literally, like, and had to tell the police on one of them one of them got arrested. The other one is dead. She got kids on her own. She, You know she trying right. to make it. I'm not going to sit you down and have a conversation about race and, and oppression in America. I'm going to sit oh, you yeah, down and definitely. talk to you about, like, what What do you need? Do yeah. We have a counselor in-house. You know what I'm saying? If you want to talk to the school counselor, she's here. She's a certified counselor. Right. You know, people think it's only for kids, but you can go to her. That in itself is elevating her thinking because I think that, we have to teach the parents of these kids how to heal themselves so they can help heal their kids. I'm not going to talk to you and sit down talking about some 
Claudette Colvin and Rosa Parks and <laughs> Huey P. Newton and all these people. <laughs> I got to talk to you about how can we fix what you got going on so that by the time your baby's a sixth grader, y'all family is able to progress in a way that makes sense for you. And progress may be you move out this neighborhood to a better neighborhood or maybe you get a job finally. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that progress is like it's in tablespoons, teaspoons based on where you are. I have a younger sister who has a younger daughter. My niece just turned five this weekend. The, the father of my niece was killed. And my sister struggles to raise her child. You know what I'm saying? And she's in a family of educated people. I got two degrees. My mom has a PhD. My big sister has master's. So it's like... And we, she looks at our journey, and she's just like, "I'm not that. I'm not right. there." Of course, and, but know? she need. But that's, that's my thing. I wasn't referring to like the same state of mind. Like, oh yeah, she woke and she know about this and that. Sometimes people got to see an example, especially coming from a, like yeah. uh, that. That you have to see an example of what you could be. You know, like talking to her about like just life and where she's trying to go. She, I've talked to people that don't know where they want to go. They're just out here aimless and lost. And like seeing you being a black woman, seeing you have a career, seeing you put more into her son, that's, that's more beneficial to her than you talking about some woke stuff. That's what I, Right, right, right. Definitely. Yeah. Can I can I ask you a question about the yeah. teacher profession? Sure. Uh, at least from, my mother was a teacher and she, yeah. or she is a teacher. Hey, uh, my mom is, but she about to retire. She tired. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of teachers now, and it might, it may have been like this back then, the quality of teacher is getting like, is it, is it getting worse? Uh, I think I think they just want more money. That's what I. They mean. need we, more we money. They need no, more I'm money. No, I'm just saying like no, I'm saying <laughs> no. the ones that kind of just overlook it. So I, I think it. it. I think it's like it's it's so it's like they're different type of teachers. So you had a teacher who has been teaching for 46 years, but the new group of kids that's coming in is not who you taught 46 years ago, and you don't want to adjust. Mm. You don't want to adjust the way you teach. My mom has been teaching for a very long time. Every year she, like, throws out the stuff that she did last year because she like, I'm getting a new group of kids. And she works in a predominantly Latino neighborhood. We talking about gangs. <laughs> we ain't got nothing on what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Them kids are coming to school with teardrops on their eye. They coming to school with blades under their tongue to slice the other kid that's in seventh grade because you're in eighth grade and your families are into it. So she, mm-hmm. like, is in the trenches. And so that's that one type of teacher. Either you adjust or you don't. If you don't adjust, the kids are going to be like, this teacher's old. She don't, you know, she don't know what right. I'm going through. But then you have teachers who are going through these teacher entrance programs where you get accelerated masters, which is how I became a teacher. I'm not going to lie to you. I at the end of my senior year, I was like, either I'm going to be a sociologist and I'm going to turn the system upside down on his head, or I'm going to figure out a better way to do things. And after my niece's dad got killed, I was like, we were at his funeral. It was full of teachers. Hmm. His whole funeral was full of all his teachers. And I'm like, these are the people who really helped him. You know, they kind of raised him. When his mom was at work, he was dropped off at home by a teacher. His teachers made sure he was fed. When he scraped his knee at school, they gave him a band-aid. So really, like, teachers are the next level under your parents. And if we really want to grab these kids and help them heal and be better people, we have to be better teachers. So do you think that because there's, because I did say teachers, what I see a lot is them wanting a lot more money. I understand it literally is a lot of work working with children, but does that mean that do you think that it's okay for teachers to neglect the kids because they aren't getting more money? No. And I think what happened in my teacher residency program, I loved it to death. It was great. But I really had to challenge people on a daily basis. Like you're not about to come. You're telling me that you're in a urban teacher residency program, which means you're going to teach urban kids, urban meaning black or brown. Either your kids are going to be black or they're going to be Latinos. And to be honest, 
in Chicago, their lives are very parallel. And you're going to come to graduate school Monday through Thursday and be a racist in class and just say racist things. That's what I'm not going to do because you're not going to get in front of 30 kids who look like me and traumatized kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it is. It's like, oh, I could get my degree in one year. I don't know what I'm going to do. I went to school for politics, but I kind of don't want to do that because my dad didn't get my position this year, so I got to wait till next year. Or I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate from college. And the easiest thing, as crazy as it seems, is to be a teacher, (laughs) which you would think is like, it should be harder to be a teacher. Right. Like, you really should have to get a mental evaluation because mm-hmm. you see teachers knocking kids out on camera. Like, calm yourself down, man. Right. It's not that... If a 6-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 4-year-old, like the lady who slammed the little boy finger in the door and decapitated the top of his finger in the south, wow. he's a 4-year-old. Right. If you that stressed out about a 4-year-old, teaching is not for you, boo, and I need <laughs> you to quit. Yeah. And then you have 18-year-olds... At no point in time is an 18-year-old going to step to me, and I'm only 23. I teach 18-year-olds this summer out west. When they get, get to acting crazy, I'm sitting there like, are you done or are you finished? Because I'm an adult. You may be my size, but we're not on the same level, and I'm not going to argue with you. And when you calm yourself down, then we can have a face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. It is too e- In my opinion, it's too easy to be a teacher. You pass a test, which has nothing to do with whether or not you can teach. It has to do with whether or not you went to a college that taught you subject matter. Math, reading, social studies, science, maybe health, maybe art. That was on my test. And then you train over the summer at your school. If your principal is not giving you an intensive training, which my principal did by the grace of God, like we were in the trenches. We learned about social, emotional learning. We had to walk through our neighborhood to see where we were going to teach at. And then we had to go and, like, shadow an older teacher who worked at school. Like, we, I was training for, like, eight weeks. Plus the year that I trained already. And then when I came to school, I still didn't know what I was doing. Mm. But teachers will pop in and be like, mm, take that down. That's going to trigger one of the kids. It's certain words you can't say in here. So I was lucky enough to have that experience. And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think teachers get that. And I, to be honest, I don't think a lot of teachers want that. Because I had to stay after school for that. I got at home at 8 o'clock. I got to work at 6 o'clock. But I wanted to stay after school and talk to the teachers who have been there for 20 years. to t- What's really going on? Don't, right. have, don't give me the, the, the little pamphlet. Being a teacher is great, and the kids are going to love you at the end of the day once everything. No, tell me I'm going to be tired, and I'm going to be stressed out, and I'm going to have bags, and I need caffeine every day, and I'm going to lose my voice, and I'm always going to have a cold because kids don't wash their hands. Like, give me the rundown about what's really going on. Once people get that, then choose whether or not you want to be a teacher. And I think that in CPS, that first quarter, most people quit. Yeah. So then at my school, you had large classrooms with no teachers. So you're condensing 60 kids into one class with one teacher. How? Right. Yeah. My grade level partner quit in the middle of the year, and we was looking like, they like, Miss Adams, you're going to teach 64 kids? I don't have a choice at this point. Hmm. There's nobody else coming. So what do you think the solution would be to, to retain teachers? More intense. Give them the run. I think they need, like, the, they need to read Theater of the Oppressed. They need to be watching, like, Freedom Riders, okay? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was movie, looking yeah. a little, you know, she was a little pale <laughs> in, in hue, and she was in a school with kids that was about that life. That's what it's going to be. But at the end of the day, when June came around, I cried like a baby because my kids knew how to read two levels ahead. 
I did that. Nobody mm-hmm. else did that with me. The parents, we hustled together. But once you get past all that, they're still children. And they didn't choose the life that they have. Right. And as an adult, for you to just be like, these are how these kids are, that's a reflection of you and you are a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And you need to work on that. That's why I said some of these teachers, you need to really be in a, see a counselor to see if you're fit to be around kids because if you have trauma and when you was 12, somebody hit you in the eye and you just hated kids ever from there. You you can't be a teacher, baby. I'm going to need you to go work at as a clerk or whatever, yeah. as the grumpy lady who give out city stickers. Like, something that's going to fit your lifestyle because the kids going to come every day and be like, what are we doing today? Like, Very what, true. What, what's going on? Like, do you love us? Do you hate us? Are you going to teach us? Are you not? And I do think that it is important to be completely relatable, you know, you and showing that you aren't scared of the children because I feel like a lot of teachers... Uh, become intimidated by mm-hmm. their students because of their backgrounds. So just to even be from, you know, the neighborhood yeah. and, you know, coming from, like you said, you came from seeing people make it and seeing people do well, and you're like, well, I want everybody else to do the same yeah. thing. So that's that's a very, coming from a home like that is pertinent to me And as far as being someone open-minded to the way a child should be taught. Yeah. You know, being able to see progression and see quality things and then not understanding why the kids because i honestly it took me a very long time to understand why the kids around me didn't have the same perks that i had when i was in elementary school because i went to a hood elementary school hair washington um and i loved it but the kids would be like they their clothes were always dirty they were always like really upset and really mad and stuff and i was just like what's wrong yeah i was just like why y'all so mad like What's wrong with y'all, you know? But it took me, like, growing up and seeing them have kids and die and all this crazy stuff to be like, I had it good. Yeah. But I didn't have enough of the actual street part of understanding the people around me. Yeah. You know, so I think it's very powerful that you have both elements because I couldn't walk. I lived in Chatham. I couldn't walk anywhere for real. Yeah. My parents took me everywhere, Mm -hmm. drove me to school until I got a car. You know, it was never a situation of me having to really be involved. Um, except my walk to school and walk back home. That was it. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't go to the store. We couldn't do anything, but just go there and home. So to have that in play, I think that's very powerful. And I commend you for teaching 64 kids Girl, we got it, we got it Did done. Did it say like that the entire year? Yeah, so it was the end of the year. Um, the lady who, so I teach reading and writing. She taught math, and our kids were switched. She quit mid year to go work at Walt Disney Magnet School. Wow, crazy, right? And I mean, she ain't want to deal with them type of kids, right? No. And. The kids kept coming to school. I mean, so I was like, we just going to have to make this work. I mean, I'm certified in every subject. Is math my passion? Absolutely not. Um, I, I can't even manage my own money. So <laughs> it's like, we still we get did there, it. You know what I'm saying? We, we got it done. But the kids were just like, they already know I'm a no-nonsense nurturer. I will love you, but the expectation is you know how to act. Because in the real world, black kids who don't know how to act, that either going to die or you're going to go to jail. The world does not give you the love that I'm going to give you in this classroom. So I need you to figure it out here and get it all out right now with somebody that actually cares about you. I'm never going to put my hands on you. I'm not going to yell at you. Uh, you might irritate me, and I might ask you to give me some personal space. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be. I'm. I have to be a constant emotional 
lighthouse for my kids because they don't have that. You know, so I was just about to say that. You go ahead. Uh, I'll like, say it right after. I was a bad little kid. Like when I was in third and fourth grade, I was I had a lot of issues at home, so I was bad. You know, and teachers like you was my favorite teachers. Like y'all was firm, but like we, I had this teacher that I had in third grade. Her name was Miss Boykin. She always told me natural consequences. Like I do something bad, and like just like this, something happened to me. She'd be yeah. like in the corner, like. She wouldn't, even, she wouldn't even tell my mom. She'd be like, natural consequences. Mm-hmm. To this day, I do not. I hear natural consequences in my <laughs> head. And, like, those kids, yeah. you, you're not going to reach them all. But the, they gonna, wherever they're in their life, 10 years down the road, they're going to remember everything yeah. you told them. They're going to be like, dang, she said that. So, so you have yeah. an impact. Are you going to make yeah. a decision or are you going to make a wrong? And that's why when you said that you're a lighthouse, I literally was just thinking, I was like, she is literally a unicorn. <laughs> because it's that, that radiance, that glow, like yeah. you, you bring joy to your kids when they see you. Even if they don't think that, that they're getting that from you initially, they're going to end yeah. up getting that from you. And they're going to appreciate you so much more for always being that piece of light, that piece of radiance, that glow. That glitter in their life, you know, like that little speck of pink, even though you don't like pink, you know, just being that in their lives yeah. is just very powerful. And like that kind of goes into I mean, we definitely went over and I'm totally fine with just yeah. talking for the rest of the show. Um, the unicorn gospel that goes into our topic, the unicorn gospel this week is basically about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. And also, um Proverbs 3.15, where it says she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Being beautiful, you know, like your beauty is determined by your output. Yeah. Not necessarily by what they see, but what you're pushing out, pushing out into the world. Yeah. You know, and I think people, especially nowadays, it's very tough to be feel beautiful. Yeah. It's very tough to really understand what that term means nowadays because of the world we live in with social media and what they say is beautiful and what they say is is a good life. Yeah. Like having, you know, a lot of these people who are on the Internet taking these really cute pictures are probably really nasty people inside. They Mm -hmm. probably are broke. You know, you never really know what's really going on. So what I wanted to talk to you about is. What does it take to be beautiful? You know, and I feel like you yeah. have a very good, because you took a class of 64 kids and they are doing beautiful things now. Yeah. How did you get to a place of being beautiful? How can you teach others to be beautiful? Well, okay. So growing up, I was like the nerd, you know, I had braces, I had glasses, I had really long hair, which is, people cannot believe it. I'm like, yeah, I was not born bald. Like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just like a quiet kid. Like I never, I feel like I really observed the world. So it's like when everybody was making friends, I was not a part of that. And when I was younger, I went to a school. Where I was the only black kid. My mom was the only black teacher. And my dad just was not. He was like, no, like absolutely not. My child is going through a culture shock. So I got transferred to a gifted regional school, Beasley. Beasley. Oh, okay, down the street from here. Yes, woohoo! Hey, Beasley, Beasley. <laughs> um, and it was just very weird for me because when I got there, the kids like, ugh, where you from? Why you talk like that? Like, why Why do you have on, like, the little girl tie? You know the one that used to snap on your dress? Oh, yeah. That was so like this. <laughs> They're like, what? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> They're like, what? Like, where did this girl come from? So I feel like trying to transition into finding friends and, like, being in a new neighborhood, it was, like, very hard for me. I was, like, very awkward and out of place. And then when I got to high school, it was even worse because I was just like, I... 
I don't. I still don't have much to say. Like I have feelings about the world, but I don't know how to verbalize them. Um, and in high school, is when I cut my hair off, one of my friends found out she had cancer, so we both got our hair shaved. So that was that. So then, on top of being like the girl who's the nerd with braces and glasses, and I got a bald head. Everybody is at school with long hair, and I was just like very awkward. And it's not until I got to college that I was like, oh, okay. So everybody is like tatted and have and has septums. And it's like themselves, but even though that's how I like outwardly express myself, tattoos, different color hair, I don't feel like on the inside I felt like I was beautiful. I feel like that literally just happened like six months ago in real life. And I feel like I was just like going through the motions because, you know, it's like everybody's like, oh, I love your hair. I love this. I love that. But Mm -hmm. nobody wants to date me. You know, nobody wants to take me to prom. Like, no, you know, I didn't. I feel like I didn't get that experience in high school. And now that I think about it, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because them people I went to high school with, (laughs) it's a no for me. I love y'all. Y'all great. Like, my people that I stuck with, I I bomb and living their best life. But the people who made high school hard for me, like, you're not really living your best life. And that's just a reflection of the heart. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So we're going to just charge that to the game. <laughs> Don't follow me on Instagram. No, I'm just <laughs> um, And so I, I think being a teacher and being around little girls has really shown me, like, what it means to be beautiful. And, like, just the girls in my classroom are, like, really fascinated at the fact that I'm, like, I have tattoos and piercings. They're, like, we never see women who look like that. And it, and it never dawned on me that, like, everybody on the computer looks the same. Mm-hmm. We have everybody has long hair, little tiny waist, you know, blue and green eyes, like this very and and that's beautiful for some people. Don't get me wrong, there are women who are, who look like that who are beautiful in their own right. But just to see another representation of what it means to be beautiful, like I'm still a feminine woman. I'm just tatted mm-hmm. and I have no hair and I wear Doc Martens all the time, like all seasons. Right. And I love leather and I'm just like everything is spiked. And that's just who I am, and not under and I didn't understand that like nobody else saw that until I was like a little kid. It was crazy to me. I mean, until I taught little kids. So, so just giving having conversations with them about oh I want to cut my hair when I get older, oh I want to get tattoos or like oh I'm really into art was one of the things that a lot of my girls told me. It's like there are so many representations of what it means to mm-hmm. be beautiful, and I don't think that you realize. That you're beautiful until people who you don't expect to tell you that tell you that. So mm-hmm. just it's like yeah, of course, men are like, oh, you're beautiful. Can I have your phone number? Like yeah, I don't really know your intentions with that. You may be that may be pure, and that may just be you trying to get my phone number. But for little kids, you know who they're they, little kids are very honest. Mm-hmm. If they think you look weird, they're like, oh, my gosh, she looks weird. You know, if they think what you're wearing is awkward, they're like, what is that? Then you got to sit them down and have a conversation but that people also, all around the world dress differently. Go I'm ahead. sorry, but that's also, like, programming. Like, yeah. The, for them to think that that's weird. Like, yeah. That's a, you know, that's it's like the Barbie doll thing. Yeah. Like the Barbie yeah. doll complex, but now it's the Instagram complex. But I, I think when kids say it's weird, they say they really use the word weird in the right place. Like, they don't really understand what it is they're looking yeah. at. They don't think... As adults, when we say something's weird, we say it's weird because it's not regular. Like it doesn't fit into what we have programmed. You feel me? But yeah. when kids say it, it's like that's really different. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen that before. You know? That's real. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely think that what you said is very honest and true about different forms of beauty, and that does go back to the gospel of it being in the eye of the beholder. It mm-hmm. literally that statement 
the first time I heard it, I didn't hear it with it saying beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I hold, I heard booty is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> from some movie. I can't remember the movie it was on. And then he said, no, booty's going to be in my hand. I don't know what movie that was. <laughs> what movie? I feel like it might have been that. But <laughs> I heard say? that first, and I was like, is that a saying or something? So yeah. when I typed it in, I beauty being the idol yeah. that came up. And I think that for me, too, it's been a very recent uh, acknowledgement yeah. of what it means to be beautiful. Yeah. For a long time, men will say, oh, you thick. Oh, you got a grabbable waist. Oh, you got this. Oh, you got that. And I would just really live in that and be like, wow, I guess I am an attractive person. But it took people not liking me, people arguing with me, people saying certain things about me for me to start feeling ugly. Yeah. I was like, why is this making me feel ugly? Because that's something that I'm not identifying with inside of me. Yeah. I'm not identifying with the actual good that's inside of me. I'm only paying attention to the negative and you can't reflect on you know, the positive in your life, if all you're thinking about is all the bad things that people say about you internally, yeah, you know, and those are the things where they say, um, why are you always yelling or why are you always so this? Why are you always so that? And you start to internalize that. Yeah. So I think that beauty just comes from you t- like disattaching yourself from anything that's not beautiful to you. You know, you, you like, I don't know if that really makes sense how I'm saying it, but it's like literally just finding the things that you know for a fact are beautiful to you and realizing that they're inside of you, you know, not just like looking at it on the outer plane, like, man, I wish I could be that, but saying, no, I am that person. I am awesome because I make bold statements. That's something that can make you beautiful. You know, with you having tattoos and a a piercing and green hair, that's extremely bold. Having a bold personality is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Most people don't have that and they might not associate that with being beautiful. Yeah. So I think it's just changing it from a physical thing to more of a mental um, appreciation. Like, yeah, do some work on the inside. Because, I mean, I think that, like, getting tattoos, what I told my mom, like, I got my last tattoos, like, two months ago. Number 19 and 20. I was like, that's it for me. Because I realized, like, I got tattoos when I felt bad. Mm. And it's like, they're marked forever. Like, I'm not going to go laser remove 20 tattoos. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're here forever. And when I look at them, I'm like, oh, they look dope. But then it's also like, now my mind wanders to, like, that painful experience of my life. And I told my mom, like, I'm marked with all these reminders of, like, pain, pain and sorrow. And it's like, who wants to... Like, yeah, tattoos are dope, and I love them because they're an expression of art. But it's like, ma, I really want to be able to just wake up and be. You know, like, wake up. I wake up in the morning, and I'm, like, blasting the jams, drinking orange juice, dancing to the car. (laughs) I get to my high school kids. I'm like, what's up? Because I really had to, like, take a step back from all the tattoos. I'm not dying my hair anymore. Like, I just want to be good on the inside. And I think that took a lot because I feel like as women, we go through a lot, like, we deal with, like, violent partnerships. We deal with, like, oppression in the workplace. We deal with this. We deal with that. We deal with this. We deal with that. And we kind of just, like, tuck it back. And we like, okay, we got to keep it moving. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, if I keep it moving, my life is going to end. Like, it's just not going to continue. I'm alive, but I'm not living. And it's like, if I don't heal, either the world is going to take my life because I'm going to find myself in situations looking for affection and craving stuff from very 
harmful and violent people or well, I'm going to take my own life because I'm literally at a place of sorrow mm. where I cannot get out the bed and yeah I look cute and my hair is a different color and I got a new tattoo but I don't feel good on the inside so I really had to like a few months ago I told people like I love y'all I just need some months to like sit in my house and literally cry everything out and paint and get some new books and like really just love on myself and now I'm to a point where it's like you telling me I'm beautiful doesn't faze me. Like, it's a great compliment, and I appreciate it. But, like, what what else do you like about me? Like, do you like my brain? Do you like right. the way I speak? Do you like my car? Because it's cute. <laughs> well, like, what, what, do, what, 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 like, what are we doing? Like, what level are we meeting on? Like, physicality is great, but physicality phase, that's why marriage is in. Because you mm-hmm. fall in love with a physical person. You don't fall in love on the inside. So, it's like, if we're not having a spiritual connection or, like, an emotional connection, it's, I, I can't I can't do it. I think right. I think as we get older we start to see that. Like I feel like, you know, as I become I'm twenty six now, but at twenty one I would have dealt with a chick that was pre- super pretty but with a nasty attitude, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Just cause she was bad, you know what I'm saying? So it's like now as I get older, it's like I would hope you look for more depth in a person, not just oh she look good or she thick or she that like does she can she like if t- it's time to get hard can she hold can she hold, hold everything together you know what I'm saying yeah. is, is she smart is she intelligent you know can you take her around the family you know right, right, right. so it's things you look for more in a person than you would you know and like having your own self confidence like even myself like I've experienced a little bit more confidence this last past year but it's like people don't believe you until you believe yourself right you know so that's real that's yeah. very true and I, in the form of social media because I know a lot of people relate to being beautiful in the social media aspect. If you start realizing it, start saying it on your post instead of putting a bumblebee or a heart that match your outfit. <laughs> because yeah. you put that thing and like, oh, you get your likes or whatever. You're like, oh yeah, that's cool or whatever. But when you actually start to say things that are powerful, the number of, of likes, of comments that was on my most recent post about me learning to appreciate my body, yeah. my personality, my mind, things like that. Because I, I really felt good about myself this weekend. Like, being at the Black and Brown Babes brunch and the different things. I was like, man, this feels so good. I smiled the whole time. Yeah, There was never a moment this weekend where I was not happy. Yeah, And you you say that to the people, then you'll get those type of people who want to see more of it, who want to be around you, who want to talk to you and build with you so that they can feel the same way. And then you got this whole tribe of people wanting to be beautiful (laughs) and living their best life, you know? And I, that's, I really, really resonate with the way you spell it and the logo and everything, (laughs) because we just need, we definitely need more of it um, on the minority levels for all the black and brown babies out here getting separated from their parents and all of this craziness crazy Mm -hmm. that's going on but um the quote of the week is going to be beauty is in the eye of the beholder uh i just i hold on to that like it means more and more to me as i get older yeah and it's truly the way you identify what beauty is and that's a layered thing like beauty in the way that we're talking about it right now like you know, with the internet and everything, it's so, like, surface level, like, oh, yeah. my selfie, mm-hmm. the angle, mm-hmm. my hair, whatever, but, like, beauty in the way that we're talking about, it, it's like a layered thing, like, you know, yeah, you gotta peel that layered. back to really yeah. find what that beauty is, and, and sometimes it's a constant, like, a constant thing that I feel like you have to work on, like, feeling beautiful and confident in yourself. It's not like a switch exactly. and it's there forever. Yeah, like, it's yeah. as confident you, you are, somebody gonna find a way to break you down. Yeah, you gotta constantly You gotta know yourself, yeah. for real. 
Yeah, and that's why, you know. And hey, let me tell you something, G. You, you need to hear this. Everything that you, like, you might not want to hear, but, like. Uh-oh. Like, like everything you kind of don't like about yourself, or, like the confidence that you didn't have, and you feel like people would look at you weird, or cause they wanted to be you, G. Like, you have a lot of attributes about yourself that women would love to have. You know what I'm saying? And, like, it, it kills me being a man when I hear, like, some of the prettiest women I know inside <laughs> and out yeah. be insecure. I'm like, mm. like, it, chicks will kill to be you. Like, you know what I'm saying? What do you? Yeah. But, like, it takes, it took me having a, like, you know, Brandy, that you not, to have my own confidence to realize what they was going through. Like, you know, everybody can see what you don't see. You know, until you see yeah. it yourself, that's when it really matters. So, like. You always yeah, gotta tear yourself down yeah. and rebuild yourself. Yeah, up. definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not that you have to tear yourself down, it just happens. You get torn down and you, you know, have to yeah. rebuild. I don't think you have to tear yourself down. No, no. You it just happens from yeah. from life. You know, yeah. life tears you down on its own. But it's like that song by um is it Donnie McClurkin? We fall down and we get we up. We fall yeah. down. <laughs> That's a, it's a jam. We get yeah. up. But it's a powerful, very powerful. I listen to it to this day because it, it just on your lowest moments, you know, it, it gets you back up. It makes you say, yeah, I got this. I know that I'm capable of being this person that I want to be. And, I, and thank you. I do appreciate those comments because it's, you know, he's it's, seen it from yeah. the beginning yeah. of what I've gone through and how I went down a very, very sad path. And now I'm getting back to a place where it, I can talk to people about be like, hey, y'all, I'm happy. Like, yeah. Look at what's happening. Serenity's not the person complaining to everybody anymore or yeah. crying about my problems, asking everybody for help. I'm finding my own help within myself by yeah. just realizing that, you know, yeah, I'm a beautiful person. You know, like, people go through things. You never really know people's trauma. And they shouldn't have to tell you their trauma At for all. you to oh, I hate that. believe that they're a beautiful person yeah. because they went through struggle. Yeah. Just know that everybody goes through it. And everybody has some beauty inside of them. It's just they got to identify with it. And if they don't, sorry, stay away from me. Because <laughs> I, I don't have the time to hang out with Loch Ness Monsters. I'm yeah. sorry. Leprechauns, y'all like gold, but y'all ain't got no good hearts. On top of that, you're going to run for the gold. You're a hustler. But you ain't got no good heart inside of you. I'm going to run for that gold. You know what I'm saying? But how can we keep up with you? So you can follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Be Beautiful, or you can follow me on Instagram at JJASA underscore. Um, we're getting ready to launch our Back to School initiative, which is basically filling up book bags with uniform school supplies. Um, so we'll be pushing that. Um, and then I'm going to be featured in Voyage Chicago magazine soon. So that'll be awesome. And I literally love meeting new people. Like, this is weird. Like, I just go to the grocery store, and I'm like, oh, my God, girl, you cute. Like, what's your name? Like, we in the same album, the same type of bread. <laughs> what's up? Like, we basically about to make the same type of That's like one of my pickup lines. Like, so I, yeah. You just had a moment there. Just like, you buying brown bread, and I'm buying brown bread? Like, what's hey, that up? works 70% of the time. Do it. 70%. So I just like pop around, you know. I'm more, I'm more in the city. It took me the first year I got back from Ohio. I had to adjust, which was last year. But now I'm back. You know, my apartment is cute now. I'm living my best life. So people talk to me on Instagram all the time, and I talk back. I'm not one of the people with 700 DMs. I respond to everything. Like, hey, how you doing? What's up? Let's kick it. Let's go out for coffee or tea. So if you're one of those people, I'm all for the good vibes. Even if you don't have good vibes, we can get you there. Yes, yes, hey. yes. Need a little bit of yes. pixie dust in your life. Oh. Tell them again. 
I got it in my little unicorn satchel right now. She got the dust, I got the leaves, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever you need. Ooh. <laughs> uh, in the most legal way. <laughs> in the most legal way of transporting these things. But this has all this has been a, a, an extremely amazing show. Um we literally took the artist talk on out as an hour of just <laughs> building and i love when it can go that way and we don't have to i mean i love playing music but i just i would rather have had what we had today it was organic on the show. it was, it was organic. definitely organic um very grateful for your presence on thank today's you, show you. and to all the people listening remember you can always submit your ideas your content your suggestions, your good news. If your baby got an A on their report card, send it to me because I want to know and I will talk about it on air. This is all about solutions and positivity, good news. And until we talk to you awesome people next time, peace, love, and happiness. Peace.